Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we explore this reoccurring theme in James and in the Bible as a whole. The best path for each of us is to walk in faith, to listen, obey, and mimic the wisdom of God. When we believe, speak, and act the call of Christ with intensity, we have discovered the key to winning at life. We're back in James. And this week, kind of summary of what we're going to do can be kind of encapsulated in a pretty simple statement that your life is dramatically impacted by believing something, speaking it, and doing it. And this is a recurring theme in the Bible, and it's a recurring theme in the book of James, and that's what this lesson's going to focus on. The book of James as a whole, we've said, is about winning at life. It's about winning at life. It's, it's about living life in such a way that you complete the thing that God made you for. And the way you win at life is by walking in faith in the wisdom of God. And the way you lose at life is by walking in faith in the wisdom of the world. You can either believe what the world tells you, or you can believe what God tells you. And and there's no middle ground. It's one or the other. So James here is speaking to us as brethren. The word brethren shows up in this book 15 times, we've, we've said. And it's very clear that what he wants us to do is live a constructive, productive life rather than the alternative, which of course means we're free to make bad choices as humans. A lot of times people criticize God for giving us freedom, but that's what being made in his image means. It means we get to make choices, and God amazingly lets us make bad choices. Uh, There's constraints on where those bad choices can go, but those constraints largely don't apply to us. We can destroy ourselves if we or have a mind to do so. James wants us to realize that and not take that path. So we ended last week with chapter 1, verse 21. So let's just go there and we'll just pick up from there. James is like a finely woven sweater where every, every knit is amazing, but it all really fits together. So we'll just knit it into last week. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And we talked about last week how souls is pasuke, half the time roughly translated lives. And what do believers need to have their lives saved from? Well, he tells us in verses 14 and 15, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when the desire has conceived, it brings birth to, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So we had a pregnancy last week. And uh, came to full gestation, got delivered, and grew up. And that pregnancy sin. And that seed is already within us. It's our sin nature. And temptation is not necessarily the circumstance. The circumstance is not a problem, he told us. The problem's us. It's what we do with that circumstance. And when we take that circumstance in and it conceive to do the wrong thing... Now we have pregnancy. 
And then when we continue to dwell on that, it grows up, then it's born. And then sin grows up and it becomes death, destruction, devastation, because that's what the consequences or wages of sin is. Anytime we follow that path, we get destruction. It might destroy relationships. It might destroy what we could have done. That we might even destroy our own bodies. But we have that gestation. But this word implanted here, which I don't think I got to last week, this word implanted is the word, so I'll try to, emphitos. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And if it, James were writing now, I kind of think he would use in vitrio. Because it appears we don't need anything from the outside to have a pregnancy when it comes to sin. We've already got the seed. We just need to nurture it a little bit and it grows up and we give birth to sin. But if we want to have something different, a different kind of pregnancy in our lives, we have to have something come in from the outside. We have to have in vitro. We have to have the Word come in. And the Word, of course, is the Word of God. And what does it save our souls from? Well, from our sin nature that will draw us away and take us to destruction. We don't want our lives destroyed. We want our lives to be blessed. So, well, why do you do that? Well, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if a man... For, sorry. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, So two outcomes you can have. Destruction. Sin brings death. Destruction. That's if we take the word of the world, which is already there, and we allow that to grow. Uh, The other alternative is to take in something from the outside, which is the Word of God, and say, replace. Because you can't reform this other thing. The sin nature doesn't reform. So it has to be replaced. And what do you replace that with? Well, we're a new creation. We saw that in verse 18. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth. Just like God spoke the Word and the world was created... When we believe on Jesus, He speaks a word and we have a new creation of us. We have a new us. But that new us has to grow up, has to become capable. The way we do that is by taking in the word. Well, how do you take in the word and have it actually change things? Well, you, you, you believe and then you speak and then you do. Right? That's... That's fairly self-evident, isn't it? If somebody says, I'm a great believer in this cause, and then never does a single thing to help that cause, you kind of start to discount what they're saying, don't you? So if we want to take this thing that will save us from destruction and take us to blessing, this word, then you've got to believe it, 
Speak it, do it. This is a this is a pattern all through Scripture. Look at Revelation one three real quick with me. Revelation promises a great blessing, and we had a whole series on Revelation. It's on iTunes if you want to go listen to it. Uh, real simple book, simple message. This is a big part of the simple message. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keep the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Okay? So what are you supposed to do? Read. Speak. Listen. Understand. Do. That's what Revelation's about. It's not about trying to predict the future. God tells us enough about the future to make the point about what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is be a faithful witness and not fear death, death of any kind, death of the world. The world the world brings us death of all sorts of things. We embrace that. There's some things we lose when we walk the right way, walk in God's way. So look at uh, the other end of the Bible, Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. This is Moses giving the... the uh, charge to the Israelites, the second generation, the ones who survived the wilderness before they go into the promised land. And he says in verse 11, for this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. This is not that hard to understand. This is not rocket science. This is not brain surgery. Or as some people say, this is not rocket surgery. Uh, It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. You don't have to have an angel come down and explain this. It's not that hard. Uh, Nor is it beyond the sea that we should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. This is not that hard. You don't have to have a a consultant come in and explain this. Somebody, you know, a consultant, somebody with a briefcase that's from out of town. So you don't have to have that. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. You know what the right thing to do is. Just speak it and then do it. See, I've set before you today life and good. That's on one side. Death and evil on the other side. So one is life and good. The other is death and evil. Which one do you want? Okay, Pick. And if you'll Walk in my ways, the thing you already know what the right thing to do is, just speak it and do it. You get life and good. Blessing. And if you walk in the wrong ways, the ones that kind of your evil desires, you get cursing. You get destruction. You get death. Okay? It's pretty simple. Pick. That's Deuteronomy. So the very beginning of the book, believe, speak, do. The very end of the book, Believe, speak, do. In between. If you study Romans, when Paul makes his seminal argument, the difference between the righteousness of the law, which does not bring righteousness, and the righteousness of faith, which does bring righteousness, he uses this verse to demonstrate what the righteousness of faith looks like. And he says it a little differently. He puts a parenthesis in and says... uh, you know, that means bring Christ down from heaven or bring Christ up from the dead. But it's the same idea. You don't have to have Jesus return and explain this. 
Excuse me, you don't have to have Jesus resurrect again and explain this. You have to believe and then do. And he, he talks about this famous verse, you know, confess, believe, believe, confess. S- believe, speak, do. Because Romans is written to Gentile believers whose faith is spoken of throughout the wor- whole world. Just like James is written to believers who are experiencing persecution all over the world. Okay? So, s- believe, speak, do. Okay? So be doers of the Word. Believe it. Yeah, that's great. Because you... Now, how do you know if you're believing it? Because he told us in verse uh, 6, is it, that we're double-minded? Yeah, that our, our natural bent's to be double-minded. Have you noticed that? Been around little kids any? Are they double-minded? Do they have one standard for everybody else and another one for themselves? When you start teaching them about fairness, how does that get applied? Right? They won't give me what I want, so that's not fair. You have something I want, and you won't give it to me. So give it. Yeah, so it's not just a limitation on age. There's no limitation on like the scope of the thing. Because this is our problem as humans. But the way we overcome it is to speak here do. But how do you know you're not deceiving yourselves? How do you know you're not saying you believe, but you're messing up? Well, it's pretty simple, really. Just do a little self-examination. Just do a little evaluation of, you know, how am I doing? And the Bible has given us a great analogy to understand what that's like. And the key is makeup. So, verse 23. If anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man. Now, a lot of times in Bible, when you read the man, it's like humanity. Like God made man. This is not that word. This should be translated male. Okay? So this is like, as opposed to female. This is like a male who goes and observes in the face in the mirror. Now, what do males do when they look at the face in the mirror? They might preen a little. But are they there to do business? Are they there to seek perfection? Are they there to make sure everything's complete? You know, comb the hair. That's a little crooked. Oh, it's good enough. Right? Uh, Shave it. This is kind of a pain. I miss any. Ah, it's good enough. Right? That's kind of men in a mirror. And do they really, you know, you see man on Saturday morning uh, uh, at Walmart. Did... Is, do you see that man and say, oh, they spent time in front of the mirror this morning? Is that what you see? Or is it like tussled hair, maybe hat? You know, I fixed everything with that. That's, that's the best way you can do mirror work with uh, men, right? Hat. Just automatically takes care of everything. But not females. No. When females get in front of the mirror, they're there with intensity. They're looking into that mirror, right? It's time for business. We got to make this right. We're not leaving this spot until we are presentable. Why? Cuz we're going to Walmart. We're in Anchorage. Okay, we're in Anchorage and, we'll, and there's no way we'll we'll run into anybody we know. It doesn't matter. We got to be presentable, right? Okay, well, don't be like a man in a mirror. 
See, that doesn't work. If you're just like, oh, yeah, receive with meekness and planted word. Great. You know, oh, that's good. Hat out. No, that's, that's not what gets this done. Number one is, let's go to the word with some intensity. Okay, let's stare into this thing. Let, let's understand what it's telling us. We, we can't receive with meekness the implanted word unless we spend some time looking at it. It, it, takes, some, it takes some effort. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and not as a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does, okay? So if you're going to kind of do the makeup thing and you bet it takes 10 seconds, you know, shh, 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 there's a price to be paid for that. You may not hear it firsthand, but it'll be talked about, right? No, can't take that risk. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take time looking at it. This word looks, this word translated looks, is the Greek word K-A-T-A-O-E-O. Now, Greek is like Hawaiian, you know, it's got all these vowels. I don't know. Kato-A-O. Haleakala. Kato-A-O. So... I whatever. Maybe that's right, maybe it's not. But this word translated looks doesn't really do this word justice. In the context, you can get the idea that there's some intensity going on here. But we can look at some other occurrences of this word and get an idea that I think will help us. Look at Matthew 7, 3. And why do you look? Same word, kata-o-o. A kata-o-a-o. Well, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the speck plank in your own eye? Okay, Why are you focusing intently on their faults and being blind to your own faults? The only reason you can see their faults is because you have them yourself, right? So why are you staring intently and noticing their problem? Looks, same word, okay? Let's look at Luke 12, 24. Jesus speaking, consider the ravens. Consider, kataeo, same word. Consider, think about, ponder, reflect on. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? Why should you be spending all this time worrying about stuff you cannot control when God's taking care of stuff? Why? Think about it. Ponder it. Reflect on it. See this word? Spend time and intensity looking in this mirror. Look at Luke 20, 23. Jesus is speaking of Jesus with the, these guys that are attacking him. But he, Jesus, perceived, same word, katoeo. He perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Jesus was analyzing what they're doing. He's understanding their perspective. He knows where they're coming from because he's focused on it. He's thought about it. He's reflected it on it. He's understood it. Same word. Uh, one more, Acts 11.6. 11.6, this is Peter after he saw the vision of the unclean animals. And he says, <clears throat> when I observed it intently... 
And I'm not sure exactly which words they translated what here. The, it seems like in the sort of the literal translations I looked at, it was like, I gazed intently and then considered. And the considered is this word, kataeo. So I, I looked at it intensely and then I thought about it. And to understand what is this vision God's given me? What does it mean? Okay, so you get the idea. Spend time looking into the Word. That's why you're all here. You're doing this. You're spending time working on the Word. That's why we're going through these books. That's why we spend time looking at what does it actually say. That's the whole focus of of my uh, Bible study ministry, is to say, what does it say? Not, how can we fit this into what we want it to say? That's double-minded. That's deceiving ourselves. A lot of times when we see what the Word says, it's not very pleasant to hear. Why? Because we have a sin nature. And we don't like to change. But meekness means I admit what is. Humility is just seeing reality for what it actually is. And so I see I have problems. I don't want to nurture those problems. I want to put something else in its place. Okay? So how do you do that? Well, you stare into the mirror. You're there to do business. You look at this word. Now he uses a phrase here, the perfect law of liberty. And this can be confusing because we as New Testament saints understand that by grace through faith we're delivered from hell to heaven. And righteousness in our daily walk comes walking by faith. And Paul has taught us that if we're under the law, if we make, try to make rules fix us and fix other people, especially other people, then uh, that does not bring righteousness. And so here, James wants us to stare into the law. So what's up with that? Well, this word perfect here is this teleo, which we see all through Scripture. It means complete, lacking nothing. Tele, it come, you know, our word telescope comes from that. You can see all the way to the end of something, you know. So it's come to the end of, of its, uh, of its um, a purpose. That's the idea. You, you got there. So the law is perfect. And actually, Paul tells us that in Romans, right? There's nothing wrong with the law. What's wrong is us. What's wrong with... We, we, we're the one with the problem. The problem is we can't keep the law. That's the problem. It's not the law's fa- fault that we can't keep it. It's our fault. It's our problem. Well, if we can't keep it, then why stare into it? Well, we stare into it because we're not going to it to figure out how to make a set of rules to justify ourselves. That's the problem. See, I'm going to make rules that are easy for me to keep and hard for you to keep and judge you and elevate me, and that way I justify myself and God's obligated to put up with that or or to accept that because I demonstrated it, me versus you. And now I'm in control of whether I'm good or not, everything's wonderful because I got what I wanted. I'm in control, including in control of God. How awesome is that? Rub the bottle, genie comes out, go back in, I don't need you anymore. That's our bent. Well, no, no, that's not what we're staring into the perfect law for. We're staring there to get liberty. Now, Paul has been real clear to tell us that if we think we can reform ourselves by making rules, we will become a slave. We'll become a slave to those rules, and we're probably much worse. We can't do it. 
But if we look at this law to say, what is God telling me about myself? You know, the New Testament's largely a commentary on the Old Testament. There's, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, in Luke 24, 44, Jesus said, These are the words which I spoke to you, speaking of the apostles, the disciples rather, uh, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. The Old Testament is the same thing as the New Testament. It's the same message in a different set of circumstance, historical circumstances. So there's, there's nothing wrong with what God tells us a good life looks like. We just have to have the power of the resurrected uh, Christ and our new creation and walk in faith to do that, saying, I'm going to walk in obedience rather than make these rules that I justify myself with. That's the point. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.